you would, please turn with me to John, uh, John's Gospel. It's the fourth book in the New Testament, the fourth uh, latest account of the life uh, of Jesus. Where we're picking up today, uh, we're really picking up in the middle of a conversation. And you know how, how difficult that can be. Maybe you've been that guy, right, who walks up while two other people are talking and you try to insert yourself into the conversation and it's really awkward because you didn't really belong there in the first place. Um, we are coming into the middle of a conversation between Jesus uh, and a, a hostile crowd. And in verse 31... Jesus begins talking to people who in that crowd have expressed some sense of trusting in him or believing in him. And so what he tells them is, if you want to be my disciples, you must remain in my word. And if you remain in my word, when you remain in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Which is offensive to them because he's implying that they are in slavery, that they are in bondage. And... He says just as much, right? If you continually practice sin, if sin is a habitual way of life for you, if you are trapped in sin, then you are a slave to sin. And the only way to get free of sin is to come to the Son. The Son is the one who sets you free from slavery. And so really the, the context then in which we're looking at this, Jesus is bringing up this idea of ownership. Who is it that owns you? If you make a practice of sinning, then you are owned by sin. But if Jesus, God's Son, owns you, then you are free. And we could talk a lot about what freedom means. And we did a couple of weeks ago. There's a good quote in your bulletin from a guy named William Hendrickson on this subject of what freedom is. I encourage you to look at it at some point. But basically, Jesus' offer in verses 31 through 36 to these good Jewish people, and to us, is that if we want to be free of sin's slavery, we must find it in the Son. Our lives must be dominated by the truth of His Word. And now, Jesus takes up this idea of sonship. So no longer, not simply who owns you, but whose family you belong to. What family do you belong to? For these people... The idea that they belonged to Abraham, that they were Abraham's offspring, was a big deal. That was a point of pride for them. And so Jesus now addresses that, starting in verse 37. I know, this is Jesus talking, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children. Notice that he changes the word. He says, if you were Abraham's children. He just said, I know that you are Abraham's offspring, that you are his physical descendants. But I don't think you are his sons and daughters. He says, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works 
your father did. They said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Basically, they're saying that you're a heretic and you're crazy. Jesus answered, I don't have a demon. Yet I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You aren't even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we come to your word, help us to see it and understand it clearly. Help us to understand what it is that Jesus is saying, what it is that Jesus is challenging, not just in the lives of these people in this text, but what Jesus is saying and challenging in our own lives, that we would believe in Abraham's greater son. Um, We pray it in his name, even Jesus. Amen. You know, in most places of the world, your, uh, your heritage, your family line, is important. Even, uh, even here in America, 
where you aren't necessarily tied to your family line, right? That was kind of one of the promises, the early promises of, uh, of the land of opportunity of America was that if you came here, you know, if your dad was a carpenter and his dad was a carpenter and his dad was a carpenter, in most other places in the world, you were going to be a carpenter. And there's nothing wrong with carpentry. I wish I had some carpentry skills, right? But your life was set by your family of origin, right? That's a, uh, that's a counseling term. If you, uh, if you go into a counseling session and you hear that term, usually what's being said is right, what the counselor wants to do is figure out things about your family of origin. How, is, how does where you came from, who you came from, um, how does that affect what's going on in your life right now? And, you, and even in America, right, where you're occupation isn't necessarily tied to your physical family of origin, yet even still that comes into play, right? Not just in, not just in physical details. You, you look, of course, like your family of origin. You act in some ways like your family of origin. Uh, but it even comes into play, it's even important in areas like reputation. We like to think that in the land of opportunity, everybody uh, has an equal shot, but we know uh, that for some, that your family of origin actually limits, right? The sky is not the limit for you, that there are some things that are very hard to overcome uh, from your family of origin that may not be as hard to overcome for someone else. And so your ancestry is very important uh, to who you are. And these people that Jesus is talking to, their ancestry carries a lot of weight, carries a lot even baggage, right? Uh, these people take great pride in their family of origin. They take great pride in the fact that they are Abraham's offspring. And here's why. Ab- God spoke to Abraham in a very unique way, right? He chose Abraham and he interacted with Abraham in a way that he hadn't spoken with anybody else. And so out of all the nations in the world, out of all of the cultures, the Jews, the offspring of Abraham, we're heir to God's promises. It's like, it's like having a wealthy uncle or a wealthy grandfather. Right? You are anticipated to inherit a lot of wonderful things when that person passes on. And so these people claimed Abraham because from Abraham they really had their identity. This is who they were. God's promises, God's walking with them meant a lot to them, and it should have. God had spoken with made promises to Abraham, to Abraham's sons, to his grandsons, and through them to the rest of the Jewish people. And he hadn't done that with anyone else. And so even though these people had been subjugated by just about every known foreign power, they were still fiercely proud of the fact that they were Abraham's offspring, Abraham's children, heirs of God's promises. And it's that heritage that Jesus challenged, that Jesus, that Jesus challenges. But he's not challenging their physical heritage. He's challenging their spiritual heritage. And so here's kind of the, the first thing that we see being played out here is our, our works reveal our spiritual family of origin. That what we do and how we live reveals where we're from. Right? Neil Vinson can only have big children. Okay, um, Kevin Corley, not, not going to be as big. 
okay? Um, who you are, how you live, what you do is determined, of course, in the physical realm by your physical family of origin. There are some things at play there, but even more so at the spiritual realm. Your spiritual family of origin is revealed by your works, by your deeds. So notice what Jesus says, right? We pointed out the difference in the words. He says, I know that you are Abraham's offspring. I know that you are his seed, but I do not think that you are his children. You may be physically descended from Abraham, but you are not Abraham's sons and daughters. Why? How does he know that? Verse 39. Because if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. How does he know they're not doing the works Abraham did? Because Jesus is speaking the truth, and they want to kill him, right? Verse 40, now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. If you look back in Genesis, and you follow the story of Abraham, you'll see that when God approaches Abraham, uh, makes promises to him, reveals himself to him, that Abraham follows God in faith. Now, you'll also see that Abraham does not follow God flawlessly. That there are many major sins on Abraham's part. That Abraham sins greatly and even in the process endangers God's promises. Right? When Abraham sins against God and against his family, he actually endangers God's promises. And yet, he also walks in faith in some pretty major ways. So that if you were to take the whole of Abraham's life together, sin and success... You see a life that is dominated by the Word of God. You see a man who wants to follow God. And that's really the question that Jesus is trying to get them to answer and get us to answer is, what is your life dominated by? And I can look at your works and I can tell you what your life is dominated by. I can tell you who is your daddy, who is your father. Um, Jesus says, you want to kill the man who is bringing the truth to you. That is not what Abraham did. And so you cannot be Abraham's children. You are doing the works of your father. Verse 41, right? Which, of course, they don't appreciate. They say, we're not illegitimate children. We know who our dad is, even God. God is our father. Again, Jesus says, no, no, he's not. If God were your father, you would love me and accept what I am saying because I am here on his mission. If you looked like Abraham and you did what Abraham did, then you would be accepting of me. Instead, you're doing right the opposite. You want to kill me. So not only can you not hear the truth, you are unable to hear my words is what Jesus says. You're deaf to the truth. And you want to kill me. Hmm, who acts like that? Who looks like that? The devil. You are doing what the devil does. Because he hates the truth. He is a liar. That's his nature when it says he speaks lies. When he speaks lies, he speaks of his own, out of himself. Really, it, it means he's speaking his own language. 
He's not just a liar, but he's the father of lies. So that if you hate the truth, you must be a son of the devil. And if you want to kill me, if you want to murder me, you must be a son of the devil. Your works, your life reveals who your family is, who your father is. You want to kill me and are deaf to the truth, that tells me all I need to know about your real father. Your real father loves death and hates the truth. You are, verse 44, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning in the garden. He aims to bring an end to the life of Adam and Eve and perpetuates that desire throughout, uh, throughout history. He has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. There's not even, there's not even just a little bit, right? We, we kind of live in a, a world and a culture that says, you know, I mean, he does this, this, and this, but on the whole, he's a pretty good guy. There's, there's a little bit of good there. Jesus says there's no truth in the devil. There is no truth in him. And so if you were his offspring, then you too are a liar. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He speaks his own language because he is the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? Jesus now takes his eyes off of their record and points to his own. He says, can any of you convict me of sin? Which one of you points out an area in my life where I've failed, where I've sinned? You can't. I'm flawless. I'm perfect. I keep the law where you break it. And that there is a testimony to my credentials. It tells you, if, if, you're a, if you're a murdering liar, I know who your daddy is, and I'm perfect. So you ought to be able to tell who my daddy is. And yet, you want to kill me. Yet, you cannot hear the truth. They will not accept it. And so that reveals exactly where they stand. Our works reveal our hearts. Why is Jesus doing this? Why is, why is Jesus, does Jesus just like picking a fight? Does he like making people angry? Let me, uh, let me give you an illustration. <clears throat> My friend Will loves to play basketball. He's loved to play basketball from when he was little. He loves to play basketball because his dad loves to play basketball and encouraged that love in his son. He's one of the best technical players of the game. I know his form is great. His understanding of the game and how it works is excellent. There was a time in which Will thought, man, I would love to, to take this up to a higher level, maybe play college ball. Who knows? Maybe go to the NBA. There's one problem. Will is 5'6". It's going to be very hard for him, much beyond middle school, uh, to be a great football player. I mean, he's going to be good in the rec league, but he's not going to reach the game's highest level. His family of origin has determined his physical makeup, and so despite his love for the game, he's not going to excel at basketball. In the same way, your, my, our spiritual family of origin determines how we will receive God's Word determines how we're going to accept the truth, how we're going to respond to God's truth. How can I tell? How can I know? How can I discern my spiritual heritage? 
Well, Jesus summarized the law in Matthew 22. He summarized it under two headings. The first one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's, that's an all-encompassing love. Right? In our circles, maybe not necessarily in this room, but certainly our, in our denomination, that love tends to be limited to the head, to the intellect. Right? Uh, we want to emphasize, I can love the Lord my God with all of my mind. And yet Jesus won't let you get away with that. It needs to be mind, heart, soul, strength. That love must flow out of your brain uh, into your heart through your hands. It is, it is the vertical dimension of holiness. And then there is the, the horizontal dimension, right? Jesus says you must also love your neighbor as yourself. So is your love for God manifesting itself in a love for other people? Do you want to serve other people or do you want to use other people? Are you a giver or a taker? Examine, right? Use, use the law of God. It's what it's for. Uh, use the law to examine the orientation of your heart and you will figure out very quickly who your daddy is, who you look like. And what Jesus is doing, and the bad news is, is that none of us come from great stock. There aren't any good families in here. And in fact, I know many of you probably have great parents. We're great parents, okay? Um, You cannot stand on your parents' heritage before a living God. Abraham's reputation will not get you in to heaven. Each one of us must stand or fall on our own in that sense. And so Jesus is forcing these people and he is forcing you and me to examine ourselves under the light, under God's piercing light to say, who is your father? What family are you from? What do you long to do? What is your heart Set on. So Jesus isn't simply just picking a fight. He has to really drop the bad news on us before he can bring the good news. He's trying to make it plain to them and to us that we have been born into the wrong family. And that we must be reborn into his family in order to hear his truth. And live accordingly. Right? There's this, these, are, these are two very churchy, churchy-sounding words. Okay? So I'm going to explain them. The first one is orthodoxy. Right believing. That is the vertical dimension. Right? That, that we have right belief. That we believe the right things. And then there's orthopraxy. Right living. And right believing should lead to right Right believing should lead to right living, right? If the vertical dimension is sound, the horizontal dimension will be sound. And that's what Jesus wants us to examine. Let's see what they do with it. Verse 48. Right Right before this, verse 47, Jesus says, You can't hear the words of God because you are not of God. There's two ways to respond to that. The first way is to say, Ouch. Jesus... I want to be of God. I think you're right. I want to be of God. I want to, I want to hear your words. I want to respond. 
uh, I'm sorry, would you please help me to hear you and to live accordingly? That's, that's the way of repentance and belief. That is not the way that they respond. The other way that you could respond to Jesus' charge is what they do. They say, yeah, you're crazy. You're a heretic. You don't know the truth. That's what they mean when they say, aren't you a Samaritan? They basically mean, eh, you don't know the truth. You don't have, you don't have the real Bible. You've got a demon. You're crazy. And Jesus, his, his, his answer is interesting. He says, no, I don't have a demon. But what I do is I honor my father. And you dishonor me. And since you're attacking me, a man who has told you the truth about the Father, you're actually attacking the Father. See, he brings it back to the spiritual heritage. He says, I know where I've come from. I've come from my Father. And this is the second thing that's important for us to see. It's all about not what you know. It's all about who you know. Their response proves Jesus' point that they are not of God. Rather than deal with Jesus' words, rather than actually hear what he's saying and repent and believe, they just say that he's crazy. And so he says, I'm not crazy. I'm not a heretic. I have come to point you to God, and you are attacking me. So then you are attacking God. Because I have the words of life. Jesus, Jesus takes... Uh, takes it back to the beginning. He takes it back to what actually started this argument was his word. Back in verse 31, he said, If you abide in my word, you will be free. And then here, let's see. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So there he said, if you abide in my word, you will be free. Here he says, if you keep my word, you will live forever. And what Jesus is doing is he's saying, I have come from somewhere where else. I, I haven't come to glorify myself. I've come to reveal the truth. And here's how they respond. They say, okay, now we know you're crazy. Just look at our heroes. Look at Abraham. He followed the words of God and he's dead. All the prophets, they spoke the words of God. They're dead. So who do you think you are? Are you greater than Abraham? How can your words bring life when all of those people are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus, his answer is interesting. He says, in a sense, I don't pretend to be anyone. I'm not making myself out to be anyone. Look at the humility of Jesus. He says, I haven't come to glorify myself. If I glorified myself, my glory is nothing. For my glory, I rely on another. I rely on my Father. He glorifies me, and he's the one you claim to know, but you don't know him. I know him. I know him, and you don't. If I said I didn't know him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I prove that by keeping his word. And then he says something really interesting in verse 56. 
He says, your father, since you like to claim Abraham so much, let me, let me tell you a little bit about what I know about Abraham. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. When, when Abraham stepped out of his tent and he looked at all the stars in heaven and he heard God say, your offspring will outnumber the stars, and he believed, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. When Abraham stood on top of this very mountain in Jerusalem, not yet Jerusalem, when Abraham stood on this very mountain and nearly sacrificed his son and then saw God provide a ram for the sacrifice, he rejoiced to see my day. When Abraham closed his old eyelids in death, Having never seen the physical promise, he rejoiced to see my day. Abraham was glad that I have come. Abraham was waiting for this moment. The very thing that makes you so angry made Abraham exceedingly happy. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they say, of course, you're not even 50. You've seen Abraham, really? And then he drops the hammer. Truly, truly, this is as serious as it gets. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I'm not just better than Abraham, though I am. I'm not just older than Abraham, though I am. I am Abraham's ex- eternal, eternally existent God who created the universe. I am the one who chose Abraham and spoke to Abraham. I am the one who spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. I am the one who went to Egypt to get my people out of slavery. I am the one who made Israel a nation. I am the one who spoke through the prophets to call you back. I am the one who promised to come and get you out of your wretched sin and out of your idolatry and make all things new. I am the one who will take all of the mess that you have made and bring to the world what it was meant to be. That's me. That's who you're talking to. That's who you must believe in. There is no mystery in what Jesus is claiming here. The people who hear him, they don't simply say, hmm, that's interesting, we'll have to think about that. No, they pick up stones to kill him because they know exactly what he's saying. They know exactly who he's claiming to be. He's claiming to be God. And if you're not God and you do that, then you deserve to die. But if he is God, then he deserves to be listened to. And so, that's the question that you have to answer. Who is Jesus really? What will you do with Jesus? He is the only one who has a good father. And he is the only one who can set us free from sin.
their, their reaction to Jesus is unbelief leading to hatred. And their works reveal who their spiritual daddy is. Jesus wants us to take an honest look at our lives. What is your response to Jesus' word? Will you trust in Abraham's greater son? Will you put your life in the hands of God's only son, Jesus? And just like Abraham, be dominated and be changed by his truth forever. That's the invitation before us. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. That the eternal Lord of all creation put on flesh so that he could redeem those in the flesh, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we would no longer be stuck in our spiritual family of origin, that we wouldn't be stuck in Adam's family, but that we'd be brought into your family, that we would be your sons and daughters, people whose lives tell the story of redemption over and over and over again. Lord, if we are yours, would you give us the grace that our lives would reveal who our daddy is, who our father is. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.